Back in 2005, the internet looked a little different to the way it does today. To give you an idea of what 2005 was like in the internet world, it was the year that Reddit was launched and YouTube was founded. Chat rooms were also becoming a more fashionable thing, and in particular, an online game called Pogo, which was a gaming website that had games as well as chat room options. The chat room that housed teens from across the country would soon become the basis of a sinister plan that started with catfishing and ended with murder. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. Brian Barrett. In May of 2005, Thomas Montgomery started playing in the online game Pogo and using the chat room to meet new players. He signed on with the username Marine Sniper and told everyone that was on there that he was a young Marine and he was 18 years old. But Thomas was a 46-year-old married father of two girls and by all accounts, he was in a happy marriage with a woman named Cindy. The young Marine he was betraying himself as was based off of himself in his younger years where he spent six years in the Marines. Thomas spoke to numerous players throughout his time on Pogo, and one day, he came across a user who used the name Tall Hot Blonde. The user told Thomas her real name was Jessie, and she was 18 years old. She went on to say she was living in Virginia and was a senior in high school and she played softball. Thomas, still using his marine sniper user, told Jessie he went by Tommy and was also 18 years old. He said that he was using his dad's account on Pogo. They started speaking and the conversations quickly progressed to more flirty and eventually the daily messages became romantic. The pair began exchanging photos, with Thomas using old photos of him from when he was younger, some as long as 30 years ago. They exchanged phone numbers and moved offline, texting and calling instead. They would even exchange handwritten letters and Jessie sent him some of her underwear. They started speaking about how deeply they felt for one another. Jessie professed she was in love with Tommy and he said he felt the same way. Thomas's wife Cindy had begun to become suspicious of how much time he was spending online. He'd be at the computer, sometimes for hours in one day. And this was back in 2005, so it's fairly early in the internet days. Spending this much time online just wasn't the norm. Cindy would try and talk to Thomas, but if he was ever at the computer, he'd become angry and tell her he'd find her when he was done, and she needed to leave him well alone. There was a period when, Tommy said to Jesse, he had to go away as part of his work duties, and whilst he was away, he told Jesse that his dad would be using the account. During this time, Tommy's dad would message Jesse, and during those times, the dad would try to get Jesse to break it off with Tommy, but... She never did. After the back and forth messaging had been going on for almost a year, Tommy asked Jessie how serious she was about him. She said she was very serious, and he went on to ask her to marry him. She said yes. It wasn't long after this, however, that one of Thomas's daughters was using his computer when a message from Jessie popped up on the screen. There was no denying what it was, and that she and Thomas were in some kind of a relationship. His daughter was confused and upset and understandably didn't know what she should do. She decided to tell her mom, Cindy, and got up the courage to break this devastating news to her. 
Cindy couldn't believe it. She logged onto Thomas's computer and looked through the evidence waiting there, the hundreds of instant messages and emails, and then she continued her search around the house and found a number of photos, and even the underwear Jessie had sent to Thomas. Cindy also came across a note scrawled on some paper that Thomas had clearly written to himself. It said, quote, On January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life. Cindy was horrified. She opened up Thomas's emails and found Jesse's address. She then wrote a letter stating who she was and outing Tommy as Thomas. She included a family photo of the two of them and their two daughters. Quote, let me introduce you to these people. The man in the center is Tom, my husband since 1989. He is 46 years old. Do not trust words on a computer. Let this go. You will only be hurt by a man who has mastered the art of manipulation and lies. As soon as Jessie got that letter, she messaged Thomas. She told him she hated him and would never forgive him. She even went on to say that he should be in prison. After this revelation, however, Jessie became obsessed with Thomas. In part, she was interested in what he was doing, but she was also still furious at the lies he told her. Not only was she angry at him, she was also devastated, and on top of all of that, she wasn't even fully sure that what the letter said was true. She needed to find out for sure. And so not long after that letter arrived, Jesse decided to track down one of Thomas's colleagues who worked at the same factory as him making power tools. She found him in the same chat room. His name was Brian Barrett and he was 22 years old. In the chat room, Brian used the username Beefcake. Jesse and Brian started talking and Brian confirmed that Thomas was a 46-year-old married man with two children. After that, Jesse and Brian talked about other things, not just Thomas. The conversation soon progressed to more flirty and romantic. Some of this was done in private chat rooms or by email, but much of it was done online, using the same chat rooms that Brian was still a part of. Despite him being found out by his wife, Cindy, he continued using the chat rooms and he wasn't at all happy to see Brian and Jesse speaking. On top of the chat room messages he'd seen, he'd also heard rumours around the workplace and began to become extremely jealous. The happenings online weren't a secret and most people in their shared workplace were aware of the love triangle and how toxic things had gotten. Brian didn't keep quiet about how jealous he was. He was still messaging Jesse and told her that Brian was going to pay. Over the next few weeks and months, Jesse struggled to decide who she wanted to be with. She was messaging both Brian and Thomas, but wasn't sure who she really wanted to be with. Eventually, however, she told Brian he was the one she wanted. The pair arranged to meet one afternoon in West Virginia, where Jesse lived. Brian messaged her to say that he was on a work trip that would pass by that way on the drive home. But after a lot of back and forth, Jessie said she couldn't meet that day after all. She said they could rearrange for a different day. It wasn't long after that, Thomas found out about the pair almost meeting up. He couldn't take how jealous he'd become. He didn't want Jessie to be with anyone other than him and there was only one person he thought who stood in his way. That was Brian. On Friday the 15th of September 2006, at around 10pm, 
Brian had finished work for the day and made his way to his car to drive home. Just as he was about to get into his car, he was gunned down. He was shot point blank three times. Police believe the perpetrator wore a mask and had fled the scene pretty immediately after the shooting. Thomas was arrested pretty quickly. Everyone at their shared workplace knew about what had been going on and pointed officers directly to Thomas. The officers acted quickly. They knew how fiery Thomas's temper was and there was no telling what he would do next if he wasn't put behind bars. Thomas denied that he had anything to do with Brian's murder, but detectives investigating the case had found solid forensic evidence linking him to the scene. Thomas had eaten a peach before committing the crime, and he'd spat out the peach pip and just left it on the ground. Forensics found the DNA on the pip to be a match to Thomas's. They also found a photo that showed Cindy and Thomas in a room of their house, and in the background of the photo was a gun that was the same make and model as the gun that had killed Brian. Thomas pleaded his innocence, saying that he had an alibi. He swore that on the night of September the 15th, he'd been at home with his wife and two daughters, but they said that wasn't true, and so his alibi didn't check out. With Thomas in custody for Brian's murder, the investigating team decided they needed to go and warn Jessie about Thomas and explain what had happened. But, after following her online trail and eventually arriving to her home address in Oak Hill, officers were shocked to find that 18-year-old tall hot blonde Jessie was actually 45-year-old Mary Shiler. Mary had been acting as 18-year-old Jessie all along. When officers pushed her to find out who the young woman in the photos was, she revealed the chilling truth. Jessie was her own daughter. She had no idea what her mum had been doing all of this time. Tragically, Mary and Jessie had a really close relationship, and in fact, Jessie thought of her mum as her best friend. The pair would often hang out, just the two of them, going shopping or getting their nails done. She was completely shocked to learn that her mum had been using her photos this whole time and deceiving these men. Jessie and her dad had no idea that Mary had been catfishing and in a conversation they had after all of this, Jessie's dad said that Mary had always been untruthful and if she thought she could get away with it, then she'd do it, no matter who she hurt. It's reported that straight after the shooting, Thomas had called the woman he thought was Jessie and said that Brian was, quote, easy to take care of. Thomas was shown a photograph of Mary and filled in on the real identity of who he'd been speaking to over the last year or so and who he'd ultimately killed for. Thomas couldn't believe it. He'd started the catfishing, but Mary had ended it and Brian had died because of their dishonesty and Thomas's aggression. Thomas's lawyers tried to plead insanity in the murder case, but there was no basis for it, and so he eventually pleaded guilty to first-degree manslaughter in exchange for a plea deal and a 20-year sentence. Brian Barrett's parents have since petitioned for new laws that cover catfishing and give some kind of protection to victims of catfishing crimes, but they've not been able to get anything passed, and that is still the case 17 years later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Red Rum. If you enjoy what you're listening to, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.